0: The world has changed. I can feel it in the dice. I feel it in the character sheets. I smell it in the books. Much that once was is lost, for none now gain who remember it. Welcome to the ONE Podcast a show all about the one ring and experiencing Middle Earth through gaming, with your hosts, J.M., Richard, Ben, Calvin, and Chris.
1: So, we have a great show for you today. We are actually doing the first of our review shows. Our goal is to go through all of the products that Cubicle 7 has and give you an overview of them.
2: And play through them live and record everything. That
1: That is a promise that we are unable to keep, but... Oh, I mean, dang it. I, I, honestly I think doing an actual play or a couple
2: of actual plays would be a lot of fun that would be the best I will sing the I troll song am way song. down
1: with okay. that putting that on, making a note to make a note of that um, so our first review show is on Lake Town and the Lore Master screen, we're going to do each of these kind of separately, we're going to start with the lore master screen and seeing as uh, Calvin is the only one with a physical copy as of the time of the show we're going to let him give you an overview of that. So, Calvin, what, what's, uh, what's on the lore master screen?
3: Well, so we have four pages worth of tables and tables and some more tables. And then there's another table. Uh, so, yeah, um, we've got things ranging from, you know, difficulty table, role results, uh, overview of uses of traits, conditions, states of health. Uh, healing, recovery, resting, uh, onset, surprise attacks, ambush, uh, determining initiative, effects of initiative.
1: Cool.
3: A huge table of adversary abilities. Right. Super helpful. Right near the center. Say. Yes. <laughs> right where it's most important. Um. Then, you know, modifiers for attack rolls, summary of other types of damage that you can do, uh, then moving into more social-related stuff. We have tolerance, examples of tolerance, modifiers, uh, encounter structure, evaluating the outcome of an encounter, and then the ever-friendly madness tables. So we have (laughs) anguish, misdeeds, Blighted places, cursed treasure, bouts of madness, and in invoking flaws.
1: So that sounds like they're they're kind of organized by the main big sections of the tour rulebook. Does that sound right? Yep.
3: Yeah, yep. they're they're color coded uh, by you know type of thing. So you've got you know green for general, red for combat, sort of gray for social, and red brown for the shadow madness stuff. Um, one note also is that spread throughout are page numbers, uh, but they are original rulebook page numbers. So these are
1: not oh, revised edition
3: page numbers. Right, because
1: they have so, adventure book and lore book on them.
2: Yes. I've noticed that with some of the page numbers in um, some of the some of the setting supplements as well.
3: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So. If you if you use this, just note that uh, the page numbers will probably not match up with your revised edition book.
1: Yeah, we'll let you know if there's an update to that.
3: Okay. Yeah, the the current PDF I believe still has the uh, the old numbers. You know, adventurers <laughs> yeah. book and the Lore Master book page numbers. So. Yeah, it's
1: gotta I mean if there are they've already revised Tales from the Wilderland to include you know, it's Include the update, so I would assume that once they make it through this production run, they'll do that. So, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, is it about the information that was on here? Is it helpful
2: necessary? So, when I started running the tour game that I'm running before I had a Lore Master screen or like access to it, um, I actually went through and I made a PDF cheat sheet for myself just to sort of remember things like. How to handle ambushes? Um, how to handle things like, can, you know, healing? How quickly can you recover? Resting? Things like that? Um, because it was just, you know, I was pretty pretty new as a GM in general, and and very new to running this game, and I wanted to keep track of it all. Um, and and really, what I did was ended up putting together this, um, but not as pretty. And so I I think I think this I think this stuff is actually. I mean, super necessary, especially if you're just coming to tour from some other system, um, keeping up with those things. Also, honestly, this is a great thing to show your players. Um, I think I think a lot of times, especially new players, players who are new to tour, don't always remember all of their options, and so they don't take advantage of those things. And for... yeah.
4: That was actually, actually one thing I was going to mention, too, um, is... Uh, kind of on the flip side of that, there are some options, some stuff on here that you would sort of expect to have on here, but I guess they're expecting the players to just know it. Things like combat stances, yeah. and options in combat, stuff that the players themselves, actions that players themselves take, as opposed to rulings that the, uh, the lore master might right. make. So I did notice those are, those sort of things are missing.
1: Now, Christopher, uh, seeing as you and I have had experience with tons of GM screens, um, I usually find that about 30 percent of the stuff on the gm screen is totally not useful for me once i get into the game what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on this one
0: i agree that that's what i was thinking looking at is that it's useful i mean all of it is useful up to a point but at a certain point you know you and your players are going to remember things you're going to figure it out but there's other stuff like the most definitely, the special abilities of adversaries. That's probably one that's going to be the most useful, I, I think, for me at least. Um, but yeah,
2: I like it. And and you know, presumably bouts of madness. Presumably bouts of madness don't come up every session. Yeah. You know, so
1: yeah. Correct. Correct. I must. I must be planning my tour
3: campaign wrong. <laughs> yeah. For, for for me, I found that a lot of the first page, the, the general stuff, was stuff that. You might use at the beginning, but then probably a couple of sessions in, um, I would be figuring I'd be putting my notes on top of that page for the session, and uh, then just using the rest of it.
1: Mm. Now, one thing that Richard said that I that kind of one of the reasons. So, one of the things Richard said ties into why I would say buying this in PDF is a really good option you can cut and paste these charts from the PDF oh. into a document for your players.
2: Yeah, that's a great idea. As
1: opposed to creating all of
2: these That's uh by That's yourself. super clever.
1: So, uh, for those of you who are absolutely new to role-playing games, why would you even buy something like this? Why would you use a screen? We've kind of talked about how it speeds up rulings because, you know, you don't have to go pause the game and look up how Bouts of Madness works. Or, if you do, you have... Or you would have had a a (laughs) reference number that is no longer useful. Um, But, you know what, it allows you to claim space at the gaming table uh, as a GM, which is something that is usually some real estate that is in short supply. And it gives you a space to spread your notes out and provide some sort of uh, secretiveness to it. I will say this, there are advantages and disadvantages for using a master screen up as opposed to laid out. Uh, you really kind of do present a more adversarial uh, persona when you have that screen sitting in front of you.
4: I think also, um, especially when you're playing with new players, the ability to have a screen and not have to be constantly... Um, searching through books and slowing the game down is a big deal um especially for new players older oh, yeah. players they kind of they get that they usually find something cool to do or have a good conversation but newer players that can really slow things down and basically sort of kill the game for them so
2: i think preserve preserving that flow especially in the first few sessions of a campaign yeah like that's exactly. really important yeah um,
1: well any other thoughts on the screen before we move on
3: well i, I was just going to say that on the uh standing versus laying down of the screen i stand when i gm i know you do as well jm i can't sit and gm at all and i find that when i have the screen up i can't read it from a standing
0: position very well
3: (laughs) and so laying it out just logistically for me
4: almost always works better
2: i don't think i've this is totally a tangent but i don't think i've ever seen anyone stand while gming
4: I, I do that too i walk oh, around the table I, in person
2: really
1: yeah in person i'm always standing i never sit uh, it intimidates your players <laughs>
2: no. do, you, do you walk around and just like randomly burn their character sheets
1: uh, i have burned
0: before <laughs> i really like the picture on the other side i think it's a fantastic oh
2: yeah uh, picture oh, yeah. Of, of lake we now, can you know <laughs> I just, I just go, if you, if you lay it true, down, you can't oh, see. we we could just talk about the art all day.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just noticed today, if you look, if you look on the the picture, I and you know I haven't looked at this picture a lot lately, but is that the the ruins of oh. the old lake town in the background on the opposite side, yeah. where you see the mountain and then look on the opposite side huh. in the background. I'm like that's a pretty nice little
4: touch. They're on the they're on the far right, wow. yeah.
0: Nice.
1: Well, that's a good mm-hmm. segue into uh, talking about the other thing that comes with this product, which is the Lake Town Sourcebook. Um, it is. Oh, you can
2: see the bones of the dragon and, and everything on there too. What? Sorry. There? Really? No. The, Wait, no the, hold no. On. on the far right, those are the bone. Those are smogs. Those bones.
4: are smogs. Oh, okay. That's what we were thinking was the ruins oh nice yeah no no those are, those oh, are okay that's yeah yeah are and like that's oh, that's huge
2: <laughs> that, well that's a detail that's i mean that's there in the hobbit too so that's awesome <laughs> <Holy> cow, <laughs> cow. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh
1: yeah is, is, is a big guy uh, uh these are richard's people they are <laughs> the artists and writers of this book yes um. the, the details that's right. Well, so this this is a thirty five page source book that comes with the screen. And uh, Richard, for those of for those people here who may not realize what exactly Lake Town or Escaroth is, uh, can you give us a brief overview?
2: Yeah. So um, um, I'm gonna okay. I'll, I'm gonna try really hard Want to, to be concise, but holler <laughs> you know, at me if I get off track here. Okay. So the um, after after the fall of Dale during the the uh, when when Spout originally attacked the mountain you know of course the dwarves are driven out of Erebor, Dale is destroyed well a lot of the men of Dale and these are these are uh, a, a I guess an ethnicity of men called the Northmen who are very important in the One Ring as they they're the basically all the human all the playable human cultures until the Rivendell sourcebook, are are Northmen cultures. So Beornings, Woodsmen, Bardings, and then of course Men of the Long Lake, which we're going to get to today. They are all they're all Northmen. So basically, the Northmen from Dale came and they founded a city on the lake. And you have to, oh, so so in the Hobbit film trilogy, they make it look like Esgaroth and Dale are like really close to each other, like you can see one from the other, and they're not. there's they're several miles. You know, it's like a it's like a lengthy trip in between them i mean they're still close compared to some other stuff but but i mean there's so so basically the men of esgaroth the, the men of dale put some distance between themselves and the dragon and they built a new city and they built a city standing on the long lake esgaroth is the long lake um, so the city that they built on esgaroth was called lake town now that's the town that's the um... that's the city that bilbo and the dwarves show up in um, when they pop out of the barrels in the hobbit the book um, it's destroyed um, by Smaug, um, and Bard the Bowman of of Eskaroth. kills him not with like some giant dwarven crossbow <laughs> or some other heresy, um, but but he kills him he kills him with a black arrow. And uh, when Smaug dies, um, of course you know he's burned Lake Town, but they rebuild Lake Town some ways away from the ruins of the old uh, city, um, and of course that nobody really goes over there anymore. But they, they they rebuild Lake Town bigger and better, and what happens is Lake Town becomes a major hub of trade for goods coming up and down um, the river, and uh, you know coming from Dorwinian and other places like that, and, and then going to Dale and uh, Erebor, or to um, the Elven King's Halls. So it becomes a sort of major trading hub, and that's how I that's kind of how I tend to think about the uh, the the culture of the Long Lake, you know, they don't have a king, they have a a master mm-hmm. of the town um, they have, um, they're they're kind of a um,
4: they're like Venice
2: well I was going to say, they actually remind me a ton of Venice um, you know, maybe a slightly more uh, Norse Venice um, although I guess, I guess I guess we have like, you know, Vikings did graffiti on monuments in Venice at, at one point, so I guess that's not too far off but Anyway, the so they uh, so they're they're a little like Venice. They have sort of this free culture, and one of the things I love about the uh, the Lake Town supplement is they actually build a little bit of rivalry between the Bardings, who you know basically came from Lake Town, mm-hmm. and then Lake Town proper. Um, and I think that's a really nice touch. So anyway, that's that's the that is the 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 short version.
4: Question, real quick. Um, yeah. Who calls it Lake Town and who calls it Escaroth?
2: Esgaroth is the lake. Okay. Um, Esgaroth is the long lake. Lake Town is the town.
4: Okay, gotcha. And Esgaroth, what's the origin of that word? Is that elven? Or was that What is that?
2: Um, I don't think Esgaroth is elven. I would have to look it up. Um, I can let you know, though.
4: He doesn't know.
2: <gasps> <laughs> oh, my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> this has not happened
4: yet! <laughs> okay, <laughs> you have to let us know.
1: <laughs> All right, Ben, so why don't you give us an overview of what's in the supplement?
4: Um, yeah, basically... The whole front end of the supplement after one of the nice little, most of the kind of the, the flavor pieces that he put in the book are letters to Bilbo um, that I've seen so far. Um, usually from one of, the, one of the original company of dwarves that he traveled with, talking to him about various areas and so on, or giving him an update about things. In this case, the, the um, hook is that uh, Gimli's father is sending Bilbo a map of Lake Town, now that it's been rebuilt because Bilbo loves maps. Um, so the whole front end of the book is basically uh, a breakdown of what's on the map. Um, and the map is, be- is really beautiful. Let me get down to the pages actually on here. Um, because <laughs> they, they actually explain everything before you get to the map, which I kind of thought <laughs> was a little bit a little bit backwards. I've never quite seen it done like that. Um, but the map is way down further <laughs> in the book. I'm not running into it. But the, but the whole front of the book is explaining basically from the outside in, um, starting with the gates and the defenses of the town, into the the various market areas, um, the market pool, which is a cool touch, um, and actually Richard did a great job when we were playing our one ring game, kind of letting <laughs> us see that. <laughs> that was fun.
2: Um, the let's see. Can I can I just say we had a fumet vendor, <laughs> and if you don't know what fumet is, that's yeah. definitely something you don't want to look up. <laughs>
4: Also, also, a hard-bargaining bookseller who cannot read, who made... Yeah, yeah. He threatened to eat the, eat the scroll unless Dofer bought it, and uh, Dofer couldn't let that happen, so he bought it. So, yeah, that was a fun... Proving Dofer
1: fun needs to uh, put some points in, I don't know, willpower? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. There's a uh, lot of NPC stats through here, like good general good NPC stats.
4: I was actually going to bring that up next I don't know that necessarily uh, and Richard can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't know if you're you're going to find another specific location in in this area that is basically covered in the One Ring books where there are so many different kinds of people Um, as in like you have elves and have their own quarter um, and Mm -hmm. dwarves are obviously dwarven smiths are throughout um, and selling things throughout dwarven merchants, um, obviously bardings and and um but I don't know that you're going to find so many different races in the same place. Most other places like Rivendell is going to be, or the Shire, or Rohan, or all the other locations yeah. that are featured somewhere are just one, one ethnic group, one, one culture. But Lake Town is basically everything, which I think sort of goes back to what Richard was saying about it being basically Venice, um, in the sense that this is a, this is a central hub. And, and the information they provide actually serves really well for a game. If you were going to use this as your, as your central hub that you return to, or a place where you start from, it would be really easy to explain why, you know, your, your motley band of, of hobbits, elves, and dwarves, and, you know, two <laughs> or three different, natu- you know, cultures of, of, of men are it, at the same place at this time. It would be very easy to do that. And most of the information they provide back set up, that, you know, there's different kinds of people, is you know, the different Sylvan elves, different, the, you know, barding noblemen, the the dwarfs the, essentially what mounts the dwarven embassy that sort of thing is all located here in in yeah. you know Lake cool. Town um, and so it's just a, essentially a breakdown of that um, and uh, giving yeah stats for stats for NPCs and then load various locations and how useful they would be so
1: there's a, there's a yeah. lot of information crammed into that first third of the book
4: there is this is a short book but there's a lot of information a lot of hooks right in the first 15 to 20 pages yeah.
1: now calvin you you look at the there the next section was the things to do well in lake town so what what's kind of covered there Go ahead. well so here we've got
3: three different new fellowship phase undertakings uh, they term it um basically different some new actions that you can take during the fellowship phase uh, Sam the gardener to, to give yourself some, some other type of bonus or item, you know, so we've got, you can go to the market pool. Uh, and this is, uh, basically you spend some treasure and you can pick a specific type of item and basically have this uniquely crafted item that you find in the market that goes with (laughs) you and gives you a bonus on specific types of, uh, skill checks. And so, you know, you might have a, Uh a book or an old map that would give you a bonus to your lore checks, or uh, maybe you got some training from a, uh, a healer there in one of the hospitals. And so you get a bonus to your healing. Uh, you can do this you know any number of times through throughout you can increase your total bonus to a plus two for any individual skill Um, and uh the one thing you know you know this is not combat related stuff this is going to be your more general skills but it's a nice touch for for lake town i thought
1: and if i if i may Mm. jump in here real quick uh kind of tied in with that is they have a little call out box for how to relate treasure and money uh so you go from uh, a more yeah. abstract to a little yep. bit more concrete but the one thing and i don't think they mentioned this in the one ring there is it's it's right there on this little call-up box they have customary guild for the dead under the laws of dale and what guild is and you can correct me if i'm wrong richard it's basically the <laughs> price a man's life is worth if you kill him it's the recompense to prevent vengeance
2: basically and 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 just to be clear like you can't just go out and murder somebody and then pay for it like it has to be a it's like you know it's an accidental it would be well it would be things that we would today we would classify as like manslaughter or self-defense um and Mm -hmm. in fact if you killed someone in self-defense you were still expected to to pay wear guilt otherwise the family would come after you i just i'm just gonna jump in and say i have the coolest police procedural planned for lake town like it's it's going to be the most fun thing. I'm just waiting for my party to get to Lake Town so we can do it. But I'm 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 extremely excited about it. I think Lake Town is a it's a really fun, diverse kind of a place. So
1: very cool. All right, Calvin. Sorry for, for sorry for that sidetrack. What else? You said you had there were three.
3: Yeah. So then the second one is you can actually take time and wander the shores of the lake and collect herbs. You roll on a table. It tells you what types of herbs that you find. And then those herbs, then, in the next adventuring phase, give you some bonus for the entirety of the next adventuring phase.
1: Very cool. Uh,
3: And then the last one is you can actually receive a title, uh, urgis. If you do this, then your standing increases. You uh, can now use Lake Town as... um, if you spend a fellowship phase in Lake Town, you don't lose standing like as if you had gone home, uh, because you're here in a place that you, you know, are lauded and have this special standing, and so it's a nice, you know, it's it's another nice little, very cool little touch for Lake Town.
1: Well, that brings us to the Dragon Tide section. Uh, Christopher, why don't you give us a. Just an overview of what people can find in that section.
0: Dragon Tide. I really liked this section. It was a nice little, nice little thing to show, like some culture, in town. You know, and Dragon Tide is basically it's a it's a yearly celebration that, you know, celebrates Smaug's death and it's also the end of the harvest. So, you know, it's not just celebration, but it's also you know useful. Three days. Events occur over these three days. Um, the first day is uh, the day of the Black Arrow, which is an archery contest.
2: It's so cool. Um,
0: and I really liked that little bit because they <laughs> they give you rules for playing in this archery contest. And and um, they had the, the the rivalry between Lake Town and Dale where you have the, the 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 Bowman's Guild and the Royal Archers. They send a representative that competes in this. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of a lot of fun different you know archery competitions, and you know if if you happen to be the one that can that wins the black arrow, you you get like a gold replica of the of the uh, the black arrow of Bard the Bowman, and and it 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 even you know gives you a little bit of a of, of a benefit uh, to your standing character. Yeah, yeah, your standing bonus. You get plus two to your tolerance rating um, if you're if you're in, uh, interacting with Bardings or Men of the Lake, and plus one with everyone else. But yeah, I just thought it was it was a nice little touch.
1: Well, yeah, reading through this, I think Ben commented like, "Yeah, to we do." Richard, that they have to have Dragon Tide show up. Here. As
2: I said, as I said, I have this awesome procedural planned and I don't want to spoil <laughs> it because Ben is in my game, but Dragon Tide is featured prominently. It's going to be very cool
4: actually and that's that's something i always look for in my setting books is um what are the the events the festivals and so on that happen in locations because in most if you look at history and you look at a lot of stories that's the highlight of the year for most people is that's what they're basically living for it's like christmas for these people as if they're all toddlers because life is 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 hard well that's uh (laughs) so it's always at a festival
2: (laughs) when melchor shows up to steal some holy jewels so
4: yeah, right, and, yeah, and when, when you know the, the green <laughs> the green knight shows up to be beheaded and and yeah yeah
0: yeah so or you could have a, a, a unique mm-hmm. fellowship phase during Dragon Tide. I I thought that it, it might be an interest an interesting way to start a campaign. Like you guys have said, uh, this is a, a place where uh, people from all over can be found. So you know. Maybe your characters are showing up at Lake Town, and it happens to be Dragon Tide, and you have some archers in your party, and they'll take they'll take part in the Day of the Black Arrow, and they get to know each other. It's yeah, it's just one of those those uh, things that you know you can use to hook your characters or to start an adventure. I just thought it was a lot of fun. Well,
1: the other thing is, I mean, we yeah. talked about how yeah. the progress of years. The progression of years is very important yes. for tor it could be a yes. a return to dragontide every you know after every fellowship phase if you're doing fellowship phase to end the year okay cool starting off the new adventuring season with dragontide all of those people from last year showed up and now want a piece of you if you yep. were the champion Richard, you, uh, you were going to give us an overview of the secrets of yes. the Long Marshes. What do we find in, in that section?
2: Okay, so just briefly, real quick, Ben's oh. question had me... I had to go crack out uh, the history of Middle, uh, crack open the history of Middle-Earth. So uh, quest, uh, I'm going to answer your question about the meaning of Esgaroth and give a very brief clarification about the name. So Esgaroth comes from the uh, Sindarin oh. root Essek which means um, sedge or reed bed. Esgarath means the Lake of Reeds. Um, this is, however, in fact, there are multiple times in The Hobbit when the reeds on the western side of the lake are mentioned. It's actually in the Elves Barrel Song, I think, in a, uh, one other place I'm forgetting now. That, that's tricky, though, because originally Tolkien referred to the lake as Esgaroth, and in some of his later writings, like The Lord of the Rings, he refers to the town as Esgarath on the Long Lake. So, I think the uh, my imp- the impression I get with the Tor um, materials is that Esgaroth refers to the town proper, but I don't think it's incorrect to refer to to um, the lake, because that's what the word was originally used for. So, that said, on to the secrets of the Long Marches. It's not very often I have to like, just go break out the etymologies, because I, yeah. like, I can't
1: uh, remember. We're going to need to come up with a little catchy jingle to play in front of these things, which is like, <laughs> the
2: more you know, Richard... <laughs> secrets of the long marsh all right secrets of the long marshes so the long marshes if any of you have played through the um have played through the the marsh bell adventure which is a sample adventure that is that's found in the back of the uh the one ring core book and is in fact based on a poem that tolkien wrote Um, um actually originally was a parody of waiting Believe it or not, well, anyway, it's he originally wrote it as a parody poem, and then he later retooled it for the Adventures of Tom Bombadil. It's called the Muleps, and they I love that adventure because they took they took one of Tolkien's obscure poems and they spun an entire adventure out of it, and it's very good. Um, uh, ben played through an especially awful version of that um, as as the beginning <laughs> of our as the prelude to our Darkening of Mirkwood campaign. But uh, anyway, so the long I
4: failed all my travel all roles. the
2: travel rolls. <laughs> And he was, the leader of the, he was the leader of the company, so they spent many days just wandering through the marshes. Okay, so the Long Marshes um, are this narrow belt of land flanking both sides of the river running where it touches the eastern eaves of Mirkwood, um, and it's sort of this trackless swampland. So what we get is a lot of extra details about the Long Marshes, and I think the idea is if you're running a campaign or a series of campaigns out of Asgaroth, um, the Long Marshes are a great place to use as sort of a dangerous place and, a, you know, like a wilderness. Um, so when you're leaving civilization, that's a good direction to go in. So we get some extra detail about that. The first thing we actually get is some clarifications about the rules for Blighted Lands, which is actually good because I did this wrong when I was running the game and I didn't realize that. Um, and uh, because the rules weren't super clear. So we get some clarifications about those. So what we get is first of all, a list of marsh plants. Now one of the fellowship phase offerings you can take and indeed one of the ones that uh, one of my players took for our very first fellowship phase is, um, so I was already like using this material in our first fellowship phase and that was pretty fun, um, is gathering uh, marsh herbs. And so you they've got a, a, a fellowship phase action for that and you roll a d12 and you you gather some herbs. So there's a some great little descriptions of what the herbs are. And then also a description of, if you collected one during your Fellowship phase, what is the effect for the next Adventuring phase? So there's Reed Mace, which for instance gives you a bonus to your healing roll, there is um, king cup which um which is what my player got last time and it made her very happy because if you collected king cup during your last fellowship phase for the duration of the following adventuring phase your eye of sauron results do not trigger hazards oh, nice. and that came up a couple of times and she was she was like really excited that she had done that so uh so they've got about uh, four herbs here with actually really extensive like very nice touches it's not just here's it's not just here's a herb and here's the effects it's you know this is what it looks like, and this is where you find it, and here's what it's used for, and maybe here's a little, you know, this is why it's called Hagweed, and all this different stuff. And, and then at the end, there's a little bit of, and here's the mechanical effect if you gathered that. Then we also get some Marsh Monsters, and these are creatures who hide among the bogs and stagnant pools of the Long Marshes. Um, and we get Hobgoblins, which are an especially malevolent race of Orcs, bred in the North in ages past. Um, basically, nothing was good was bred in the north in ages past. Just as a general rule, no.
4: Actually, I actually had a question about yes. that. Yes, um, is Hob- hobgoblins show up a lot? And of course, uh, Jaxie fantasy. Okay. Um, but what uh, do they actually show up by the name hobgoblin in Tolkien?
2: Um, I don't think there are. I, there is passing mention of hobgoblins in The Hobbit. Um, you, you, you never actually meet one. Uh, and a hobgoblin, as it says, is just an especially malevolent race of orcs in this context but I think that's one of those areas where Tolkien sort of mentioned something at some point okay. and the um, the 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 tour designers have taken some license to come up with something that yeah, is thematically appropriate um, but they're but they're definitely using some exercising some creative license there which in general these guys are really good at really really good at yeah yeah so we've got some hobgoblins so we've got uh, marsh hacks. Um, solitary monsters who appear to be large and twisted water goblins with long arms and iron hard claws and then of course marsh ogres who are uh some of the more terrifying um and of course for some of these they actually or for marsh ogres they actually have a book quote in front of that and that is poor bill sat in the dark thinking of all the horrible names of all the giants and the ogres he had ever heard told of in tales and uh, of course we've got a, a great big marsh ogre here with his his um portland earrings and his uh woad tattoos (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what plugs i guess i don't know what to call sorry portland sorry portland (laughs) um anyway uh so we've got some marsh ogres and they're uh quite big um but anyway um (laughs) um so marsh we so we got marsh ogres who are just you know savage monsters as big as mountain trolls um they're savage and beastly they speak no languages um, and they, uh, I mean, they want to eat you, and and that's the one of the things I love about Tor so much is that there is evil stuff, and then there is stuff that just wants to eat you. And then
1: there's evil stuff you know. which want to eat you, um,
2: like, yeah, right. Which is actually most things.
1: So cool. Well, then wrapping up the supplement is uh, actually a new heroic culture you can play as men of the lake. They are a prosperous culture, so the wealth that flows through Lake Town also uh, and some of it ends up in your pockets as an adventure uh, and their their heroic culture blessing is tenacious and this one's actually very cool so it's basically the idea that uh, as richard said in the opening you know these are people who dale was destroyed cool we're gonna go move and build a new town oh that one was destroyed all right we're gonna build a new town and this idea of every defeat is a chance to learn for them. Uh, every time a man of the lake is wounded or fa- fails at a role with serious negative consequences, he gets to spend a point of hope if he wants to, to earn an experience point. And then they give you some examples of what those actually look like.
2: I have to say, that is, that is a super yeah. cool touch. Yeah,
1: so, right? I mean, it's just, it makes sense to have included this right off the bat because when you look at the cultures that are in the main book all of Bilbo's journey is basically covered except Lake Town. Yeah. So Lake Town. Well guys, any any mm. other any overall thoughts on this Lake Town supplement or and Loremaster screen that we didn't cover?
3: I, d- I did like that they included in the back they do include a pregen of a technically a woman of the lake um, and then they also include a character sheet,
2: which is again some great art by the way (laughs) but (laughs) then they include a base (laughs) character
3: sheet for men of the lake that already has the common skills filled out and all of the base stuff that you would need to for someone who wanted to play a man you know someone of the men of the lake you know without having to fill all that in that was a nice touch
2: yeah that's very cool
0: yeah
1: I've yeah, never so. seen that
2: before. And and by the That's way, by clever. the way, in the back of the, I'm just gonna throw this out here. Um, in the back of the tour uh, book as well, like the the main the main core book, they have sample yeah. uh, characters for all of the different races. So if you just kind of want to get an idea of, <laughs> you know, I'm building a dwarf. Well, and they did that in Rivendell. You have uh, right, a sample right.
1: high elf and a sample ranger.
2: So I'm I'm saying this because I might have people on this on this podcast who are in in my game and they might they might be looking for examples of characters right now. So. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> so <coughs>
1: overall, is this a product that you think as a lore master you should
2: get? I would say absolutely. But if you have a group that's coming from a like a traditional Gygaxian, where a group of of itinerant murder hobos or itinerant treasure hunters or whatever and we're used to operating out of sort of a main hub and going out and finding adventure lake town is a really great way to sort of transition your players i think from that oh, very you know that cool. typical yeah. f- typical fantasy adventure mode to some middle earth specific gaming it's like a great way to bridge the gap i think
1: well, we will include in our show notes where to get this. Uh, there are plenty of places to buy it online, both physical and PDF copies. And if you get it at your local game store, have your game store sign up for Bits and Mortar and it gets you the PDF as well. It's really not an expensive supplement. We're talking like 15 bucks for the PDF, which includes mm-hmm. a copy of the book and the screen. Or for $10 more, you get the hard copy. So.
0: You have been listening to The One Podcast. You can contact us with your questions and comments at theoneringpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Google Plus as The One Ring Podcast or on Twitter at The One Podcast. Thank you for listening.